Good evening. Happy Thursday. It's August 24th, 2023, and this is Talking Sports with Evan. And I want to thank everyone watching either live on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, or watching it on a different uh, date and time. It's going to be posted and pinned to my profile on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, also will be podcasted anywhere podcasts are found. And either later tonight or tomorrow. Again, I'm Evan Wittales, and this is Talking Sports with Evan. And after a week off, here I am ready to bring you another episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I want to thank Andy Herman, who was on the the last episode of Talking Sports with Evan, and everyone that watched the show um, back when he was on. I do appreciate the, the support, the feedback, the positivity that came from that show. And after a week off, last week was just extremely hectic with officiating and broadcasting and everything. I just, I needed, needed a week away from the show. Um, but here I'm back, ready to go. NFL season just literally around the corner. The Packers' last preseason game is coming up Saturday against the Seahawks. And I'm excited for the 2023 football season for a number of reasons. The Brewers are in the midst of a pennant run, first place in the NL Central, about to have a three-game series against the San Diego Padres. And Milwaukee Bucks' Giannis had some comments to say uh, in his interview with the New York Times. And um, should we be worried with what Giannis had to say in his interview in the New York Times? And I haven't read the full article, full disclosure, I've only read the bits and pieces people have put out on social media that are getting the most reactions out of everybody. And I'm going to kind of break down those snippets that people are throwing out there on that. But before we do go any further, saw some very sad news on Twitter um, not that long ago. Triple H, the uh, creative director of the WWE, tweeted out, uh, quote, just received a call from WWE Hall of Famer Mike Rotunda, who informed us of the tragic news that our WWE family member for life, Windram Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt, unexpectedly passed earlier today. Our thoughts are with his family, and we ask that everyone respect their privacy at this time. And I bring this up because I... I was a big Bray Wyatt guy. I respected him. I liked what he brought to the WWE create in his creativity, in his dedication, in his passion, the the fiend, the Wyatt family, everything Bray Wyatt did, I thought hit. Now it did get the push that it should have all the time and they should have pulled the trigger on him in certain situations that they didn't, like with John Cena and as champion and with The Fiend. Things could have gone a lot better, a lot differently, but some things are out of his control. But it is very sad seeing that Bray Wyatt, real name, Windham Rotunda, passed away at the very young age of 36 earlier today. No word on what happened on the why it's just extremely sad and you know it happens too often in that business that we're hearing and seeing 
um, professional wrestlers die at a very young age. And you don't have to be a wrestling fan to recognize and respect the craft that they do. It's very taxing on the mind, on the body, the travel, putting the body through hell. And it's very taxing. And lots of people die young for various reasons, which I won't get into because I don't want to speculate what happened with um, the WWE talent known as Bray Wyatt. But it is very sad news to see. As I mentioned, big fan of Bray Wyatt. Really respected him. Respected what he brought to the WWE each and every week when he was there. I know he stepped away shortly after one of the big pay-per-views after a uh, pitch black match due to some health concerns. So, you know, we'll learn more details in the coming days. But as I said, it is quite sad to see and to hear about. Now I'm going to jump into Giannis. And so those are expecting my show at 830, I guess, before I do go under that. I pushed the show back a little bit today because of some weather that was passing through didn't know how bad it was going to get but it looks like it's pretty much cleared so now i'm doing the show so Giannis today had an interview come out with the um new york times or new one of the new york papers that everybody is um to me, overreacting a bit. And he didn't really give anything new. And he, he didn't really give anything new. He talked about wanting to win. He goes, quote, one of the quotes in it, a feature in the New York Times, quote, I, I would not be the best version of myself if I didn't know that everybody's on the same page, everybody's going for a championship, everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I do, and if I don't feel that, I'm not signing in regards to signing his extension. Um, The other comment, but at the end of the day, being a winner, it's over that goal. Winning a championship comes first. I don't want to be 20 years on the same team and don't win another championship. And I think it's easy to now try to speculate and talk about and discuss and overanalyze and spin whatever Giannis is trying to say here, but he didn't really see anything new. He's never already said, he said the same thing prior to signing the last Supermax. He said the same thing repeatedly, that he wants to win. He wants to win championships. He wants to win NBA titles. He wants to win another one. He wants to win another NBA title. That is what Giannis wants to do. And the Bucks are getting to a point right now with an aging uh, Drew Holiday, an aging Brooke Lopez, in aging Chris Middleton, Jay Crowder is not that young. The Bucks are an old team pretty much outside of Giannis. And Giannis wants to see that the Bucks are committed to continuing to put competitive teams that can compete for titles around him. So when your Middletons, your Holiday, your Lopez's retire, 
you got enough people around Giannis that are going to continue to give Giannis what he wants, and that is championships. He wants to win championships. Not a championship, championships. He wants another one. He wants titles. He wants to continue to win. And I I, I don't want to overreact or speculate over anything that he said. I know the the uh, national media is going to speculate on Giannis is going to Golden State, Giannis is going to New York, Giannis is going to Albuquerque, Giannis is going to Middleton, Wisconsin, wherever. They're going to speculate where Giannis is going now. And this is a sign that he's leaving. No, it's not. We didn't learn anything based off the quotes that have been published and I've seen from this article. Will I read the full article in the next um, upcoming days? Probably, but I'm not going to sit here and speculate anything about what Giannis said in this interview, and and we're going to see what happens. Moving on to baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers are continuing to play pretty good baseball in the month of August. And starting since August 1st, they beat the Nationals 6-4. to four. I know they did lose in the Nationals August 2nd, 3-2, to two, but then they won 14-1, to 3-2 to two, uh, in a four-game four four game split against the Pirates. The Pirates took the other two. They took uh, three of, two or three against the Rockies, winning 12-1 to one and 7-6. to six. They swept the White Sox, winning 7-6, 3-2, They got completely dominated by the Dodgers. I'm going to get back to the Dodgers in a little bit. 6-2, 7-1, and then 1-0. But then they swept the Rangers, 9-8, 6-1, to 6-2. Swept the Twins, 7-3, 8-7. And they hold a three and a half game in first place over the Chicago Cubs. There are 13 games over 500. And even with the being swept against the Dodgers, they're still in great shape and great position to win the division and make the playoffs. And they pretty much, to me, they have the they have their own they control their own destiny. To me. Because right now, they have six games left against the Chicago Cubs, and they're three and a half games in first. If they can go four and two against the Cubs or three and three against uh, against the Cubs, they're going to make things a lot more difficult on the Cubs. The Brewers sitting at seventy and fifty-seven. They're eight games behind the seventy-eight and forty-eight Dodgers, who continue to play red-hot baseball, and the. 82 and 44 Braves are the best record in the National League, um, continuing to play really good and red hot baseball as well. Now, I want to spin back to the Dodger series. And it's easy, it's easy to look at that, it's easy to point and look at that the Brewers can't beat good teams. When you look at the box scores, yes, they lost six to two, seven to one, one to nothing against the Dodgers. But let's look into that six and uh, six two loss. They committed two errors in that game. That kind of, then kind of, the two errors pretty much exploded the five run six inning. 
it was 1-1 after five. And then there were three or two errors in the uh, sixth inning that pretty much did the Brewers in. The Brewers have consistently all season long been one of the best defensive teams in baseball when it comes to run saves constantly. They may, and then against the Dodgers, a team you have to play next to per, almost perfect against. The Brewers didn't play perfect. The defense faltered. A defense that has been really good all season long falters, and the Dodgers get a 6 2 win. Now let's look at that 7 1 loss. Again, two errors against the Dodgers. It was pretty much the Dodgers that control most of the game. But the Brewers, once again, two two errors that you typically don't see the Brewers commit. Again, the defense faltered, made mistakes. The 1-0 loss, Corbin Burns completely dominated the game. And then your, your setup man, who has been one of your best pitchers all season long, and Joel Piapis in the eighth inning gives up a solo home run in that one to nothing loss. And the Brewers hit the ball very hard against the Dodgers. They hit the ball extremely hard that series, but it seemed like every time they made contact with the football, with the baseball, it went directly to somebody against the, the Rangers and against the Twins. Guess what? Those balls that went directly at people found their ways through. The the Dodgers are the better team. The Dodgers sit at 78 and 48 for a reason. Going into that Brewer series, they were 10 winners of what 10 or 11 in a row for a reason. They're a very talented baseball team. The Braves are a very talented baseball team. But I don't think the Brewers are that far off from them overall. I think the starting pitching that the Brewers can throw at you in Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodworth, Wade Miley, Freddie Peralta, those four can win you postseason games. Then you got the back end of the bullpen with Devin Williams, who's over 30 saves on the year, Piapis, who I just mentioned, Uribe, who has really gotten a lot of trust throwing 103 miles per hour just a day ago against the Twins in a in a tight spot. The back end of the bullpen, very strong. Hobie Milner has played well at times. Elvis Perguero has played well at times. Those four starting pitchers mixed in with that bullpen, they can win you games in the playoffs. It's going to come down to can... Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich, and Contreras, can those three lead you to wins in the playoffs? That's what it's going to come down to. When the Brewers lost to the the Braves, they won one out of six against the Braves. The only start that the, the four pitchers I just mentioned, the only start they had, Freddie Peralta started game one in Milwaukee against the Braves, a game I was at, that Peralta just didn't have it that game, giving up six runs. Outside of that, they have not, they faced Colin Ray, they faced Julio Franco, they faced Adrian Hauser. They haven't faced the Brewers' top four pitchers. 
I I am confident that the Brewers starting four pitchers come playoff time can control series, can keep guys off base, can get strikeouts in key moments, can limit hits and extra base hits. I have faith and trust in that Brewer for Adrian Hauser. He's pitched really well as of late. You got him if you need a fifth starter. Otherwise, have him out of the pen. If you're if you're Freddie Peralta or you're Wayne Miley, this doesn't have it. He can be a long reliever. Put him in in the fourth inning. Get four innings out of him, and then you got Piampas and Devin Williams if you take the lead to finish it out. So I don't think the Brewers are that far off than a lot of people think. They're a talent. Are they? Are they? Do they have the same amount of talent as the Dodgers and the Braves? No. But I do take that Brewers starting rotation against any any offense in the National League. I just do. And then the Brewers have played well against Houston this year. They played well against Baltimore this year. So you can't say they can't beat good teams. They beat the Rangers. They beat the Twins. They've beaten the Astros. They've beaten the uh, Baltimore. The two teams they've struggled against the most, they're going to have to win against those teams if they make the playoffs are the Braves and the Dodgers. So just so not, it's just not all doom and gloom for the Milwaukee Brewers as we inch closer and closer and closer to the playoffs. We have about a month, a little about a month and two weeks pretty much left in this season. And it's going to be an exciting finish to the season for the Milwaukee Brewers. They're about to start a three-game series against the Padres before having a three-game series against the Cubs. And basically, if you're the Brewers, what you're looking for right now, just take two or three. Take two or three against the Padres. Take two or three against the Cubs. Take two or three against the Phillies. Take two or three against the Pirates. Take two of three against a bad Yankee team. Just take two of three. Win two every three days, you're going to be playoff bound. And that's what you got to focus on. So moving on to the Green Bay Packers. The Packers beating the Bengals week one preseason 36-19, losing to the Patriots 21-17. And now they got the Seattle Seahawks. No surprise to anybody. That Sean Clifford is the number two quarterback for the for the Green Bay Packers. And no, he is not going to be the starting quarterback at any point unless there is an injury to Jordan Love during the 2023 NFL season. This is Jordan Love's team. This is Jordan Love's time to show what exactly he is. And I get it. Sean Clifford. I thought he should have been a seventh-round pick. He's definitely outperformed that. I was wrong there. The Packers obviously are much more talented when it comes to player evaluation than I can ever dream of being. But there's just things that I saw in Clifford that I was not a big fan of, and there's still things that I see from Clifford that I, I, I worry about. And although he is fun to watch, he's, he has no fear, he has no issues throwing it up to triple coverage, double coverage, just throwing it up, trying to hit the receiver. That's great and all, but what you risk happening by throwing those 
effort balls, as I want to call them, whatever happens, happens, is you risk your wide receiver taking an unnecessary shot and having to leave the game due to injury. That's what Clifford needs to work on. He needs to work on playing on time within the offense. And like I said, he he's definitely impressed me. He's shown that I was completely wrong in stating that he should have been a seventh-round pick rather than a fifth-round pick. I was wrong. He definitely shown that the Packers drafted him in the right spot. And he surprised a lot of people because what we're seeing from Sean Clifford in this preseason is not at all what we saw with him at Penn State. He couldn't make the big throws that he's making currently right now. So tip my hat to him. Great job, Sean Clifford, but he will not, unless Love gets hurt, will not start at any point during the 2023 season. This is this is Jordan Love's time, and Jordan Love has put together a very impressive camp. There's been good moments. There's been not so good moments. But in, to me, what I've what I've seen, what I've read, what I've observed, the good moments and great moments have outweighed the not so good moments. And with a young team, with a young wide receiving core, we we point the finger to Jordan Love on everything. If he makes a bad throw makes a bad read. If the receiver doesn't catch it, we always point the finger at Jordan Love, but he has a young receiving core. He has a receiving core that is learning to play the game of football at the NFL at the same time as Jordan Love. There's going to be drops. There's going to be miscommunications. There's going to be bad routes. There's going to be wrong routes. There's going to be Jordan Love putting the ball where he thinks the wide receiver should be at, and the wide receiver is nowhere to be found. It's going to happen. It happened with Rodgers last year, too. It's going to happen. There's going to be growing pains. We, as fans, just need to be patient and see how the season progresses week to week and see if Jordan Love can grow. I think I it's safe to say in the preseason thus far, Jordan Love has shown that he can at least be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Is he going to be Aaron Rodgers? Probably, probably not. The odds of him being an Aaron Rodgers are very slim to none. But if he can be a serviceable starting quarterback in this league, if everybody else around him does their job at a high level, the Packers have a chance to win some football games in 2023 and beyond. Now let's look at the Packer, who I think is going to be on the 53-man roster. I think quarterback, they're going to keep two. They're going to keep Jordan Love. They're going to keep Sean Clifford. That's it. I think Alex Magoo is going to go onto the practice squad and serve that role as we saw Ben Kurt and company serve in the past few seasons. Running back, I think they keep two. I think they keep Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the active roster. I think they, out of Patrick Taylor, Emmanuel Wilson, who has been a a great story in camp thus far. He's going to make a role for himself on this Packer team at some point. Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols the third, Nate McCrary, out of those guys, they're probably going to sign two or three of them to the practice squad and just activate somebody on game day to be that third, uh, number three running back, the emergency running back. That's what they did last year. That's what they did the year before. I think that's what they do again this year. I think you're going to have Wilson, and Taylor, and then it's going to be either uh, Goodson, 
Nichols or McCrary, McCray, or McCrary that gets down the practice squad. Wide receivers, I think they possibly could keep seven. Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Malik Keith, I think are four locks. I think Samari Torre is almost a lock. I think Don Travian Wicks, depending on the severity of the injury, is likely going to make the roster. But then we've had Grant DeBolts, uh, who's done, played pretty well in this preseason as well, Bill, Bill uh, Milton, and I think they could keep seven wide receivers. I think they keep, I think they keep seven. I'm just going to say it right now. They keep seven wide receivers. Um, again, if Wicks' injury is a little more severe, he had a hamstring issue, he might have to be IR'd, but I think they keep seven wide receivers on the 53. Tight end, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Josiah Degara, I think are all locks. Degara is going to be an H-back for you. Austin Allen is a question mark. I think if they keep seven receivers, Austin Allen's gone, and I think that's what they're going to do. So I think your Musgrave, Craft, and Degara are going to be your um your your three tight ends that they keep, and Degara is going to be more of an H-back. I know they don't have a a blocking tight end, but I think they have a way they fix that. Offensive line, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Tom, Rashid Walker, Nijman, Caleb Jones, Sean Ryan, all, to me, roster locks. Unfortunately, I think Rice Newman might be as well. But I think what the Packers might do to replace the loss of Mercedes Lewis, who is that extra offensive lineman, pretty much. I think we're going to see the old uh, Kevin Barry playing tight end type situation with your Walker or your Jones. I think one of them is an extra offensive lineman on the field, and they do what Mercedes Lewis did. And tip your hat to Rasheed Walker. I was surprised that Walker was drafted in the seventh round. I thought he should have been a third fourth-ish round guy, but he fell to the seventh, and I think he is going to be a very good starting left tackle in this in the in the NFL for a long while. I think this is David Bakhtiari's final season in Green Bay, and I think Walker takes over at left tackle and never gives it up. So, Packers did cut Jake Hansen uh, recently. I think I forgot to mention that following the uh, preseason game. I make sure I didn't say Hanson. Defensively, I think they keep obviously Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Carl Brooks, Kobe Wooden. I think that's it for defensive linemen. I think you're Jonathan Ford or you're Chris Slayton. I think end up on practice squad, but Carl Brooks and Kobe Wooden are going to have outstanding rookie seasons, in my opinion. Ed Rushers, where you have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kingsley Ikembare, Justin Hollins, Lucas Van Ness, who can also play some defensive line, and undrafted Bretton Cox Jr. is going to make the team. I think he's making it very difficult 
for the Packers to let him go. He's been that good. Inside linebacker, you have your Devonde, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie. And then if they keep four, be Eric Wilson. If they keep five, then they'll keep Carpenter, who has a big role on this team when it comes to special teams. Corner, Alexander, Douglas, Nixon, and Carrington Valentine. Eric Stokes likely starts the year on the pup list. Uh, hasn't been cleared yet. Hasn't passed the physical yet. And I think they keep another corner. I'm going to probably go with Shamir John Charles, who can also play special teams. and He knows the Packers system fairly well. Corey Ballantine seems to get beat all the time. And safeties, you're going to have Darnell Savage, Jonathan Owens, Rudy Ford, Anthony Johnson, and Dylan Levette. I think Tavarius Moore's injury is going to be what ends up hurting him. Uh, Carlson will be the kicker. Love it or hate it. I think you have to let the young kicker learn how to kick. If this was a team that you knew would be competing for a Super Bowl, then you might want to consider bringing in a, a veteran kicker. But I think you let Carlson just work out his, his issues. Pat Ordano is going to be the punter once again. I think they try to put Daniel Whelan on the practice squad to work on developing him. And then they're obviously going to have a long snapper, whoever that is. So, But I will be back with you next week talking about the 53. I'm sure it'll be out there by the time I do the show. The final preseason game is on Friday. And for those that don't know, I am part of the broadcast for the Racine Raiders. I'm not making the trip this week to Syracuse, New York, but the Racine Raiders are playing in a semifinal game this week out in Syracuse. And this is how you can watch the game. Racine Raiders are playing the Syracuse Strong. This has been Talking Sports with Evan. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening to the podcast, watching it live, watching it uh, after I go off the air. I appreciate each and every one of you. Subscribe, review it on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you find your podcast. Until next week, I will get back at you. Have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.